Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. When you think of being creative, is your first thought, that's not me? Well, my guest today, Dr. Manette Riordan, believes that we are all creative. And when we become disconnected from our own creative inner fire, we lose sight of our passion and purpose. Join us today to light your own creative fire. Hi, I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio, founder of the Baca Journey, fast track technology for your co-creative power. For visionaries, innovators, company founders, and product designers, Learn to download your new, original, and best ideas faster, easier, and without freaking out your nervous system. Dr. Manette Riordan is a modern-day Renaissance woman. She is an artist, writer, serial entrepreneur, and advocate for creativity as essential to our well-being. She has built several successful businesses and published three books that teach creatives to be successful in business, including her bestseller, The Artful Marketer. Minette helps women leaders reconnect to their innate creativity. She believes that when we are all working in our highest and best creative genius, we can solve all the world's problems. And now you know why I wanted to have her on this show. (laughs) Welcome, Dr. Minette. Thank you so much for having me, Lori. I'm excited to be here with you today. Me too, me too. I actually reached out to you and said, I want to do this with you because because I want to do this with you. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just start somewhere because I know we've got a lot to talk about. Everybody's talking about creativity in one way or another. If they're not talking about how they're not creative, They're talking about how crucial it is for business leaders today, for example, to be creative. So why is it such a hot topic? I think for a few reasons, and I think there's kind of two polar things happening here. So first, there's what's happening in corporate, which is this big call for more creativity and innovation. In LinkedIn study of top soft skills needed in 2019, creativity was number one on the list. Wow. But only one in four people believe they're creative. So there's some fascinating disconnect happening in the mind of what people say they want or need in their employees and how people see themselves. And at the same time, I don't think that companies know how to nurture creativity in their team and that the increase in requests for productivity as productivity gets emphasized, creativity decreases. Because what creativity needs is time. Time to daydream, time to play, time to rest, time to think and brainstorm. And so while companies are seeing greater need for innovation, which is not necessarily the same thing as creativity, and they get conflated a lot in corporate speak, this whole idea that we need creativity and innovation. And I think they're talking more about problem solving than Mm -hmm. they are about, I think, innate creativity, which for me is about idea generation and about really a spiritual flourishing and owning of our innate gifts. And at the same time as all this is happening in corporate, you may have noticed the coloring book craze over the last five years. And there's 
because I'm part of lots of art communities online, there's this incredible um, opportunity right now for people to engage in creative play through painting, through quilting, through knitting is making a huge comeback right now. So there's this sense that people are longing for more creative play and more creative expression in their lives. And I think that is because we've gotten busy, we've gotten disconnected, we're a long way away from the old quilting circles or the whole village come together and build a barn. Like the opportunities that used to exist for coming together around creative pursuits is I think something that people are seeking today more than ever as we've become more fragmented, people are looking for opportunities to come together. And at our core, we are creators. It's the thing that sets the human species apart is that we are infinitely, divinely creative. It's our biggest gift. And yet we get told at a very young age, you can't draw, you can't paint, you can't sing, you can't dance, you can't, you can't, you can't. And we lose sight of the fact of how innately creative we are. Thank you. That's a wonderful way to set the stage for us. And I'm thinking about something you said about um, the, the conflation of innovation and creativity. Yeah. <clears throat> Because my work is, has a lot to do with professional innovators. Yeah. Mm. I see that in, in a very big way. Mm -hmm. And I see what could happen, and it and happens in some places, in, in the, in the, particularly in the corporate world, in the creative corporate world, meaning people who are looking at a problem, at something that needs to be created, something they want to, uh, to fix, to change, to grow, and you have a work group that's focused on that. Yeah. And how do you then bring forward that creativity? Because it, it, innovation in that way to me is the essence of creativity because yes. you're not going to get to the real solution yeah. without accessing your own creativity. And interestingly, some of the things that I'm seeing around creativity in corporate have a lot to do with how it gets siloed in the creative department, right? There's the design uh, department, there's the, you know, there might be a principal architect for a project, you know, my husband's a programmer. So there's, you know, someone who has an idea, someone who architects the idea, and then it trickles down to the programmers who implement the idea, rather than seeing creativity as useful, needed, and existing across teams and not mm -hmm. siloed in a design team. So making sure that all parties get to play and participate in the innovation process. And that people work best in innovation in teams, in creative teams, and that when those teams are sort of um, cross interdepartmental, mm -hmm. they're actually a lot more productive. But certainly, you know, some of the, the people that I admire most in corporate and creativity and innovation are the Kelly brothers who started a company called IDEO, I-D-E-O, mm -hmm. and the D school, the design school at Stanford oh, yes. University. Yes, yes, And their conversations around creative confidence and how can we boost um, our ability to think creatively and innovatively inside of companies is fascinating. And the number one thing that has to happen for people to be successful in these conversations is removal of judgment. It has to be a criticism-free environment um, where people can get a silly, radical, extreme, out of the box, off the charts, five million sticky notes, 
you know, where all ideas have a place, even if they all get discarded later. It's the, it makes me think of the dyad work we were doing in our workshop recently, that the more time we spent on idea generation without fear of judgment, then the more our ideas will truly get to that level of innovation and creativity. Yeah. And I think that's where we connect with our, what I call our co-creative intelligence. Yes. And that that is that aspect of, hmm, we can call it presence, we can call it, you know, higher intelligence, but we all have it and we all have access to it. Mm-hmm. And, and we forget that one of the best ways to get there is in play, as you yes. were just talking about. Yes. Yeah. Play doesn't have judgment. Yeah. 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 So how do you bring play into your work? (laughs) All the time. Um, (laughs) So, you know, one of the the ways that I do that is I use a lot of collage work with my clients. Um, I do a lot of work in circles and trying to, um, even my business planning model looks like a mandala. So getting people out of the need to think linearly And because I work a lot with other creatives, we can't go from idea to structure. We need a a more flowy process where we can really (laughs) see the whole picture out in front of us before we can go to the one, two, three bullet pointed list of actions and to-do items. So for me, it's getting people to understand how their creative thought process works And we do that through image, through color, through a lot of word play, a lot of metaphor play, a lot of kind of story completion, fill in the blank, um, and a lot of just asking questions. But yes, my my clients know that I encourage them to do everything with markers and crayons because it's more fun. Even your budget can be fun when it's done in fun, colorful (laughs) gel pens. I love it. So it's like looking at where the ways that I can bring more play and how can I bring an attitude of play to the things that feel hard? So if marketing feels hard, or in fact, in one of my group calls yesterday, we were talking about Facebook groups and people were like, I don't like Facebook and you know, all the grumpy stuff about what has to happen in order to grow ourselves and our businesses. And my number one question is, how can you make this fun for you? Mm. How can you make this fun for you? Right? You because if it's not fun you- for you, your mm-hmm. clients won't connect to it they'll know they, that's true that's true if you're doing it as something really serious mm-hmm. like, or something like you've got to do yeah your energy is is not there it's not yes. yeah did you have some wonderful ideas that emerged from that or i don't even know if people were sharing you know what they could do to make it fun Yes, absolutely. So first they had to look at what their own resistance was. Just asking the question made them realize that, you know, because there were a lot of complaints. I can't get people engaged in my groups. I can't, you know, nobody's paying attention, all the algorithms, nobody's seeing anything. And so it's just that reflection of what do you want to experience from the group? And so some of the ideas were things like, where can you show up in a Facebook Live? and talk about what matters to you and how can you invite people that you want to play with to come join you there. And the number one thing that I always say about marketing is it's not about you, right? You have to make it fun. It's not about you. It's always about them. It's about the other people, Mm -hmm. about the community. And so I think it's easy, especially working from home alone to get caught up in that it's all about me, right? I'm the attractor. And it's just not. It's just not. And I think if we, you know, wrap that into creativity again, you know, the, the 
being an artist is such an interesting, because I do a lot of my art alone, and I love making art in community. But art doesn't exist by itself. It exists in the eyes of the creator and in the eyes of the beholder, and it changes through the relationship. And so I think of marketing very similarly. If you're trying to build community, what are you creating and how is it being witnessed and held by whoever's seeing it? And it's the interplay of those things that where the magic happens. It's not the I'm over here by myself, you're over there by yourself. It's the how can we bring this together so it's joyful for everyone? So I really see it reflected in what you're speaking about right now is that artful marketer. Yes. Uh, that you are the artful marketer. Yes, 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 absolutely. You teach it and you are it. Yeah. Well, I was one of those people that um, grew up because of, you know, the criticism and whatever. I never thought I was creative. Yeah. Couldn't draw, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. And actually it was mandala work that first, I first got into working with just color and shape and had such a fun time. But then really expanding beyond that into how everything can be a creative act. Yeah. How we live our life can be a creative act. How we cook our dinner can be a creative act. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's something to do with how we bring our consciousness to it. Yes. So, so what for you is the connection between creativity? You've spoken to it already, but I want to ask it more directly. Mm-hmm. The connection between creativity and spirituality or creativity mm-hmm. and consciousness. Yeah, great, great question. I love that. And I, I loved what you said about just that it starts with that ownership of I am a creative person. And and what I call it's about owning your artistry Mm -hmm. and about disconnecting artistry and creativity from art with a capital A and just looking at the different ways that it is showing up in our life. And for me, creativity becomes a mindful practice when we just shift our mindset around it and we let go of creating something beautiful and we connect to the journey of the creative process mm. because the magic is in the journey. It's not in the end product. And I personally found that if I'm trying to make something to sell or I'm like, I'm going to make this because I think it might be useful for someone, then I don't enjoy the process. But if I just sit and I create something that's meaningful and impactful to me, inevitably it finds that resonance with someone else. So an example would be for me, the connection between creativity and consciousness is it is my meditation. It is my connection to the divine. It is my channel. I don't know what's coming out, coming forth, whether it's writing, whether it's painting, but it's being present in the moment to what wants to appear. And a really fun, silly, playful example of this for me personally, I love picnics. I love picnics. I oh, love I want to be around you. We're going with um, my brother and his wife and my nephew to have a picnic in the beautiful Rose Garden in Santa Barbara this evening, right? And so um, it's, you know, this idea that picnics are a form of artistry. Yes, you could have a sandwich in a baggie and be in a beautiful place and it's still a picnic, but there's something to me that is resonant of childhood and freedom and play as well as my love of good food and community that all comes together really powerfully around picnics. So that's a form of my artistry is picnics. Okay, so we have, we have to pause here for a moment. And, and I want to say, Minette, I know you come to Colorado. I do. Next time you come to Colorado, Colorado uh, I can't even say it, Colorado, I'm getting so excited. 
Yeah. And we have a picnic. Yes. Yes. So there is in Rocky Mountain National Park, there's this one beautiful little park right um, close to the alluvial fan. I don't know how familiar you are with Estes in the area, probably pretty familiar, but there's this one little picnic area called Endo Valley. And if you get there early enough in the day, you're right on the river in the trees we've seen wild turkeys there and deer it is a magical place for a picnic and i have incredible memories of a lifetime of family road trips but there yes or we could go to the park closest to your house (laughs) and i'm a lover of good food so we can certainly have a creative yes yes in fact i will be coming your way sometime um towards the end of july so looking at being up there for a couple of weeks yeah. Right. Okay, we've got a plan. Yes. So, but, but back to this whole idea of creativity and spirituality and yeah. being present to what wants to emerge, yes. being present to what is. For me, how I connect to my own inner guidance is, is that. It's really, it's being present to what wants to emerge. Now, that may be very directed in that I may ask a specific question. Mm-hmm. That's often how it is. Sometimes it's what, what is needing to, to emerge right now? What am I needing to write about, speak about? Um, what is my next step? What am I needing to do right now? Yeah. But that's all, that's for me is creative living. It is. And I know people talk a lot about monkey mind or they complain that, you know, I don't know how to sit still or meditation mm-hmm. doesn't work for me. Something about a creative practice like writing or coloring, and it can be simply a blank journal page and mm-hmm. some markers and just scribbling color on the page. I, like you, I love to color mandalas, and they create presence in a different way. There's something magical that happens when your hands are busy with the coloring that allows your mind to drop in. And some of my best insights for my business have come from when I'm coloring. And I might color and listen to a guided visualization, or I might color and listen to a beautiful podcast or just meditation music. And there's something about the keeping our hands busy Mm. that allows our mind to really connect in a different way. And so for people that are like, oh, you know, I can't sit there for five, 10 minutes, or I don't have time for do that. I challenge them to try adding a little color to their spiritual practice, because I find that it just gets us out of the left brain thinking mode Mm -hmm. and into Mm -hmm. the right brain so that we can actually move back and forth. Creatives get a bad rap for being right brained, um, you know, disorganized, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is that we're very whole brained, like people that are genuinely creative, their ability to move back and forth between their, you know, left brain skills and right brain skills is really pretty masterful. It requires both. And so coloring allows us to add that layer of presence and consciousness mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. experience of thoughtfulness. Yeah. And as does writing, yes. when you do it with consciousness. Yes. Some people will talk more about, and you may not, you may agree or disagree with this, but some people talk more about journaling where it's like a, a dumping process. Yes. For me, there's a very, it's very different. That that is very different. And I grew up doing that a lot from the willingness to connect in and, and to go to that, that frequency or that vibration where you feel that connection, where it is you're bringing, you're bringing everything really to the table, to the, to the pen as the witness. 
mm-hmm. and bringing through whatever needs to be brought through so that you can actually access that inner direction. Yeah. And I find, so I'm a huge fan of Julia Cameron's morning pages and the artist way. And I find that doing the initial dump allows people to go there. So when, like I don't do morning pages anymore because like you, I've practiced a long time and I can drop right in and get to that. And I often do the ask a question and journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes the question is, what do I need to know today? Exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm much more intentional in the practice. Mm-hmm. But in, you know, 20, 25 years ago when I was really trying to reconnect to my creativity, I would do the, the big brain dump in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I find... Um, it can help you get through the mental clutter and get to the deeper, more present place. When we release everything that's, that's cluttering our thoughts, get it all out on paper. And in fact, I encourage my clients to do this regularly once a week to do a massive brain dump on big sheets of paper with lots of colorful markers, like everything that's in their heads to get it out on paper. Because once it's out on paper, you can set it aside knowing that nothing is lost And then you can be much more attuned to what's most important in the moment that we create overwhelm for ourselves by trying to hold too much in our heads. And when we're holding on to that, then we can't connect to presence and consciousness. And and my experience has been that uh, it's also possible to do that by allowing yourself to begin to learn how to get quiet and and I, I think it's a lot because the way I work with energy with people during the time of, of meditation, let's say, people are able to go quickly into that place where there is that direct alignment, that direct connection that you were talking about. Yeah. There's different ways, which I love. Yeah. Different and we ways. all have a starting place, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I find that... Um, I love working with people like you, or I have a friend who does Theta Healing, and the, the, your ability to take me deeper quickly works really well for me, mm-hmm. right? better usually than I can do it on my own. So, you know, just speaking to this, it doesn't always have to be in isolation. We don't have mm-hmm. to be struggling alone. When we're in that space of longing for more co-creation and more connection to consciousness, it's like, this is, it's a community sport. It is. I, I love that you said that because that came up yesterday. I was on a call with, uh, this was, these are follow-up calls that I call deep in the journey after people have taken a Tere touch class. And the people on the call were talking about how, you know, really life takes over sometimes and we forget and we, we lose track of how to connect back in. And, and they were asking kind of, well, what's next and how can we do this? And, and I said something about a, a group and then there's like this new idea that was coming to me, which has to do with, with community. Mm-hmm. Um, people say, so I said, it's not, a, it's not a, an online group. And they said, well, what do you mean? And because they're vastly different places in the, wor- in the world, really. Um, I said, well, yes, it would be online, but it's a community. Yeah. It's, it's coming together in community because that's what our, I, I feel like our bodies are, are longing for. Yes. And, and then we get to have similar language perhaps or, or just ways of, of holding a container that allows for that deepening. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I feel that way about creative practice and creative process that it always goes more deeply 
And I think we're more committed to it when we show up in community mm-hmm. and when we're left to our own devices and it's right. easy to do the dishes or <laughs> right, all the other to-dos that are lingering and we're not as committed to our own practice. Yeah. And, um, my husband and I have been having a lot of conversations around this, around distraction, and, and he's reading the famous book, uh, Flow by, I always forget. Oh, he's hard to pronounce. Mikhail. Sichen Simai. Yes. Yeah. We, we know who it is, but yes. Um, and, and he's like, and my husband was reading a part where he's like, he, I said, I had a big aha this morning where, because he says he watches too much TV, but he can't seem to get himself out of it. And Mike is his nickname, his professorial nickname, talks about how it's this apathy, right? That we get caught Mm -hmm. up in the apathy and it's not really fulfilling to do this activity, but we can't seem to get ourselves out of it Mm -hmm. because we haven't created sort of the mental constructs to really convince ourselves that being in the flow state and doing creative practice, whether that's music or cooking or gardening or house projects, right, that we haven't created the, the sort of mental constraints to let us know it's way more fulfilling than watching TV. So we get caught in these cycles of where we make everything else more important than what truly brings us back to the flow state. And when we're in that flow state is direct access to consciousness, right? right. We're not even conscious of it, really. <laughs> but it's when, we're just there. We're just there. We're just mm-hmm. there. And so when people talk about distraction or um, I can hear my daughter waking up in the background. So there's noise. So we'll enjoy, we'll have that picture of her just having yes. a nice leisurely morning and waking up. Yeah, good morning, Maggie. Um, I'm on a podcast interview, sweetheart. <laughs> so I apologize for that um, quick interruption. So that just that being in that space of, I think this whole conversation around creativity, spirituality, consciousness, work, it's really owning what matters most to us. Yeah. And I don't think we spend enough time. So we have all these longings. We have all these things we say we're going to do, we should do, we want to do, and we're not actually making time for them. Mm-hmm. I'm at the point in my life where if I don't have creative time, I become a very grumpy bear. And so <laughs> it's you then. That, it is my oh, cue. You need to do something different. Yeah. And I'm not distracted by that, the, you know, the apathetic jumping into a Netflix series, although sometimes it's on in the back room while I'm painting for 10 hours, but it's the fulfillment is coming from the creative process, not from mm-hmm. just sitting in front of the television. Yeah. So it's just noticing what matters and really mm-hmm. claiming mm-hmm. and owning what matters. And I think in all the busyness and the chaos and the troubled times in our country in particular, that somehow we've lost sight of it's okay to own what matters to us. And that's the difference, I think, between mm, what you talked about as apathy, I think of as passivity, same same thing. Yes, yes. And, And being active. And I don't mean being active in the way of, I've got to get out and move my body. But it's, it's even, for me, meditation is even active. It can be passive for the, oh, I just want to go into bliss. Or it can be that active that is, I am here and present and available to receive what I'm, what I'm needing to receive. Because there's so much that's available to support us and to give to us and to, to bring forward the new energies that our body is needing. But we have to be present. And present is an active state. It is not a passive sitting and watching TV state. 
even yeah. though I also love to watch TV. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a good, I love that distinction of presence being active because I think that is so true in creative process as well. Mm-hmm. And if you think about some of the things we talked about, the you know, top of the interview about the innovation and brainstorming and idea generation and all the fun ways you can do that, it is, it's an active, interactive process. But then that deep connection between creativity and spirituality, again, it's active presence. Yes. Active presence. Active presence. Breathing is an active process. It is. Breathing is conscious if we recognize and, and just acknowledge that we're taking a conscious breath. Yeah. We're breathing in. That's the breath of God, you know, and that's one way to say it. Yeah, breath of presence, and that's what's keeping us alive, and knows exactly what to do. Has that intelligence to know what our body needs? We don't have to have a PhD in biochemistry. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, but you can if you want to. Sure. Oh, sure. And we're going to go into you know and have a whole other experience with it. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I you know over the last few years realize like how often I hold my breath. And how much more conscious I have to be to remember, or I breathe shallowly, like I'm not paying attention. And just that tiny, you know, second blip of Manette, take a breath. And to the point where it's become Pavlovian, if someone says, breathe or take a breath, I'm like, take a breath. Yeah. Like that reminder, <laughs> that conscious reminder to pause throughout our day and to take a deep breath or I love to dance and the reminder throughout the dance. It's like, don't forget to breathe. I'm focused on the steps. I forget to breathe. Yeah, exactly. You know, or the self-defense class you and I were recently taking together. It's like remembering to breathe through the process. Yeah, and expand in that process. Yeah. We didn't get to dance the night before you left. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I was peopled out at that point, I think. Understand, understand. So what, what do you tell people who believe they're not creative? To look for the places that they are because the thought in their head is generally, if I ask, you know, how are you creative? You'll say, Oh, I'm not an artist. You know, I can't draw. I can't dance. Right. All the can'ts. Um, Usually it's, I can't draw. That's the yeah, number that one my story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I still can't draw, actually. <laughs> and drawing is simply a learned skill, right? I can draw better than I used to, but I wouldn't say it's I have mastery of drawing. And I'm not particularly interested in, in acquiring mastery of drawing, but drawing is a skill. And people, this conflation of creativity with art making is something that I'd love to really break wide open. And so people can really begin to own their unique artistry. So the work that you do requires you to be creative, whatever field you're in. So engineers and scientists are mathematicians. They're so creative in the work that they do and the way they approach problem solving. It's very different than how I do it as an artist. Mm -hmm. So, Art, for me, is one small expression of creative genius. And so asking people to look at where does your artistry show up? So we talked about picnics, Mm -hmm. gardening. I have so many friends who are amazing gardeners with these glorious gardens. For some people, it's in the kitchen. For some people, it's in letter writing. I had one client recently say that hers is in being able to pick 
the perfect New Yorker cartoon for any occasion or situation. That's like, fabulous. Wow. Fabulous? I, so I loved that example. And so it's learning to own what I prefer to call artistry as opposed to creativity. It's owning yeah. where you're looking at something and adding your brilliant flavor to it. Mm -hmm. I love that. Owning your own artistry. Yeah. That's great. So you have so many things that you offer to people. I'd love for people to know how they can learn more about your creative adventures and how they can connect with you. What's yeah, thank you. So the best way to do that is to visit my website. It's just www.minetteriordan.com, M-I-N-1-N-E-T-T-E. R-I-O-R-D-A-N.com. So you can find out more about the work I do with um, just women leaders and entrepreneurs there. And I spend a lot of time playing on Facebook. I love Facebook and I have an open Facebook group called Seeking Wonder, Explore, Create, Transform, where I talk a lot about the creative process and how to use collage in particular. And I realize that Part of my artistry is seeking wonder everywhere. And so getting people to see the world through the eyes of an artist and to pay attention to every flower that's blooming or the way a shadow might fall or a butterfly flittering by the window, but that there is something awe-inspiring right beside you in each yeah. moment. So how can we learn to look through the eyes of wonder at the world and through curiosity rather than through judgment. Mm. I see. That's, I love that. I, I love, first of all, I love that's a great title for anything, Seeking Wonder. Thank you. Um, and curiosity and wonder and setting aside the judgment, those, those are all the first parts of my uh, inner compass program. So I love oh, That's so cool. <laughs> so. <clears throat> So I'm feeling all of the connections that, that have been made today uh, in what we're talking about here, Manette, and, and, and your incredibly mm, generous invitation to people to own their own artistry. Mm -hmm. it, it really is an act of generosity because we have to open to expand yeah. to receive that invitation. And you, I feel how you are holding holding that invitation and holding space for people to step into that. Yeah. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. And thank you for being with us here today. Oh, it was my honor and pleasure to be here and have this conversation and to have this space to just help other people see their greatness. Yeah. At the end of the day, the work that we have the honor and privilege to do is to help others see their greatness. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Manette. And thanks for being with us today at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination of your journey. Remember, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Google, TuneIn, Red Circle, and more. Leave us a review while you're listening. And for more illumination and inspiration for your journey, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacajourney.com Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, 
Our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.